Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Thank you again for joining us. It's always a pleasure to spend this time together. And as always, shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttle, Suttle Solution Media, helping to make this podcast possible. I'm coming out the gate with all the energy because I've already been having fun with our guest today, Chris Marhefka on the call, training camp for the soul program. Chris, how you doing? Ted, I'm doing amazing, man. I Same as you shared, man, I'm fired up already. I'm ready to go. I'm feeling great. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I know maybe the audience taking a couple seconds to lag behind joining on the energy. <laughs> it's okay yeah, because we're going to be here waiting for you. But while the audience catches up to our level, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. I'm going to give you the floor and let you address the audience directly and talk to them. Go ahead, Chris. Thank you, Ted. Uh, Well, hello, audience. It's an honor to be here. And thank you for your time and energy in listening to this. Like Ted said, my name is Chris Marhefka and coming to you as a humble servant, a coach, a mentor, a healer, a leader. And like Ted said, I run a company called Training Camp for the Soul. And jokingly, I don't believe that the soul actually needs a training camp, but the training camp is more for the human parts of ourselves to get us more aligned with our soul. And so the work that I do is helping people to discover and peel back and uncover and remove some of the layers that are in the way of being like the highest, greatest, best version of yourself that sometimes we get a glimpse of. And I teach people how to systematically remove those things that are in their way and then create create this new, beautiful, authentic version that is lying below that surface. And that's exactly what my own personal journey was. I've been doing personal development for well over a decade. And it wasn't until I found like this depth of work that I coach now that it really clicked for me. And so I'd be happy to share more about that, but just excited to be here. And hopefully something that I say resonates with you guys and helps in your growth. Yeah, no, absolutely. And already kind of wanting to jump into the story. I've said before, kind of best guide through the storm is someone who's been in it already. And it sounds like your work is a result of the personal journey and the personal work that went into your own transformation. So I'm interested to know the inception of that journey for Chris and what it was like. Was it a rough inception? Was it a eureka moment? And let me start this. What was the catalyst that started this journey and how has that been ever since? Yeah, thank you for that. It was a rough one for me. And I say that because I was fairly stubborn and I was also really tough in the sense of I endured a lot. I endured a lot of discomfort and just kept pushing and pushing and pushing in my life. And until a moment, which I'll talk about in a second, until a moment where I just realized that there was something more beyond me and that could help me get further in my life. And that's contrast to the way I was thinking before of that I had to figure out all the answers myself. It had to come from me. I had to linearly get from A to B. And that's how I lived the majority of my life. And that's even what I coached from. I've been coaching starting in personal fitness. I was a trainer. I owned a gym. I got into nutrition coaching. That led me into mindset coaching and high-performance coaching. And I've coached leadership and business. And what I noticed was that I was always couple of years ahead of the people I was working with. I was like so strongly committed to my growth and development. I mean, even like as a kid, 
I was always striving to get better in some way. Started with athletics and then it got to business and being an entrepreneur. And then finally, it's now, it feels like my job is just to be the best version of myself so that I can be that guide to other people in becoming the best version of themselves. And so my journey was one where I thought I had all the answers. I followed all the plan that was told to me to equal a good life. I checked all those boxes. And by the time I was 30 years old, I look back on all the goals that I had set and I hit just about every single one of the ones that I thought it would take me a lifetime to hit by the time I was 30. And the aha moment for me started when I realized that I wasn't actually happy. I wasn't truly fulfilled with my life. And as I was sitting down on my 30th birthday to set goals for the next year, there was this moment where I was like, am I just going to keep adding another zero to the goal or 1% more improvement in my body or 1% more improvement in this area of my life? Is that really it? And it was kind of this realization that maybe more of what I've been doing isn't the answer. And I spent two years, honestly, unpacking that. And the unpacking part was all subconscious. I just started to actually create challenges. Some people call it self-sabotage. I started to self-sabotage my life. And I think it really, looking back on it, it was because there were parts of my life that I knew could be better and I wanted more out of them. I wanted deeper, more connected relationships. I wanted more fulfillment in my work. I wanted a sense of trusting others deeply and them trusting me. I wanted a deeper sense of love and I wanted a deeper sense of purpose. I started breaking those parts of my life. I, I started breaking parts of my relationship, parts of my businesses. And that started to lead almost like a cascade of things in my life breaking. It started with my physical body. I had a lot of unexplainable injuries. I was a lifelong athlete. And then all of a sudden, like one after the other was just like, this isn't your identity. And it was almost like asking me to see myself without this part of what I was identifying with. And then parts of my business started to not go well. And I had identified my ego was like this really good business owner. I was a great entrepreneur, but now this thing was starting to fall apart. And then parts of my relationship were starting to fall apart. And I was like, oh shit, what am I without all of these labels? Yeah. And honestly, it really all hit home. I was driving home with my wife at the time, and we were heading home after a trip. And I crossed the border from Georgia to Florida. I was living in Florida at the time. And I just had this breakdown where this flood of thought and story waved through me of like, I don't actually want to go home. It was like this confusion and sadness and grief because it was like, I've created like so many great things from the outside looking in. My life should be amazing. But yet there was something missing. I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I emotionally, I broke down. I pulled over. I was crying. And my wife at the time, she was supporting me through it. And that was the moment where I said out loud, I was like, I'm scared because I don't actually know what's next. I don't know what the answer to this. I haven't been in this territory before. I've always just followed the plan, mm -hmm. the plan that was given to me. It scared me a lot. And fortunately, people showed up in my life, coaches and mentors, and they supported me through my healing journey. And I very quickly saw like the parts of myself that I was just playing out someone else's story, my parents' story, my family's story. And I was just kind of carrying these patterns forward. And I realized like some of them I actually don't want. That's not the life that I want. Maybe it's the life that my dad wanted or my mom wanted, but that's actually not for me. 
And I started unpacking those things. And then on the other side, rewriting the person I deeply wanted to be. And now almost three years later from that moment, it's mind-blowing the life that I live today because it's so different than what I could have ever imagined and so much better. Yeah. It only happened through facing the things that were coming up, not knowing what was on the other side of them. And then on the other side of them was often something way better than I could ever imagine. What does that process look like when you're deconstructing? You mentioned about going through that, not knowing what's next, always had the plan, you followed the plan. There's so many of us, and there's a lot of listeners who fall into that. I grew up and education was of value in my family. So I went to school, got good grades, got my diploma, and then went and found a job and paid my bills. And starting this podcast is something that wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't part of the rules. And I get fulfillment from sitting here even after working a full shift. But there are people who have done that exact same thing where they are right now, and they don't have that sense of fulfillment. They don't have that happiness within them. What was the process like deconstructing some of those beliefs, some of those plans, and some of those life plans that were kind of instilled in us by either our parents, friends, or other people around us? How hard was that? Yeah, very hard, man, because it forces us, it forced me to look at the person who I thought I was and face the person I had been being to that point wasn't actually who I wanted to be going forward. And that took some level of accepting, like actually a lot of accepting. And that's actually the second step. The first step is the awareness. The first thing that needs to happen before change is you need to be aware of the thing you want to change. And so the awareness comes in a lot of ways. Like I read a lot of books, attended a lot of seminars, listened to the podcast, and that would get me to some level of awareness. But it was oftentimes something that happened into my life or maybe like laser-focused question that just hit home for me. Like something simple as like one of my early mentors and coaches, she asked me, we were talking about control in my life. She's like, how much control do you actually have? And it really hit because I had been just gripping so tightly to like all of that plan that we were talking about. And I realized that I really wasn't in control. I was just like hanging on for dear life, really, I was surviving. And it was that question that made me realize like, oh, maybe the way I've been doing it actually isn't really what I've been looking for. It's the only thing that I knew how to do. And so the awareness comes first and then the acceptance of it. Like really deep acceptance of this is a part of me. This is a way I've been being. And now I'm ready to commit to changing it. And that's the part that's like really sticky and icky and uncomfortable for us because it's a part of us. It's a part of our identity. We oftentimes like removing a label or removing a part of us. We don't know what the new part is going to look like until we fully like let go of the old part. Mm-hmm. And that's discomfort is something that I think is required when people are doing this work. And it's where a lot of people get stuck is like really accepting and moving through this chaos portion, this unknown portion, the fear portion, and really surrendering to, I don't know what the next thing is, but admitting that the current thing isn't right. It doesn't feel right anymore. And then what I do in my work is we even go one step further and we take it to the root of like where this has come from and where it's stored in the body. And is this mom's energy? Is this dad's energy? And like, really, where did this story come from? We support people in releasing it at the root. 
So not just telling yourself a new story in your head, but like really going into the memory, going into the unconscious and digging it up and then getting free from that belief system, getting free from that being the truth. And on the other side of that is a lot of freedom. It almost like is an etch-a-sketch where you shake it and it's completely blank. And now you get to draw whatever you want. Yeah. Start spinning. Yeah. Yeah. It's an empowering place to be, man. Yeah. I imagine a lot of the beliefs we get, kind of like me growing up with the focus on education and things like that, a lot of them come from people who are really close to us, who we really love and care for. And when we start doing some of this work and start getting our own independent mindset and kind of embracing who we want to be versus who we've been being, that can come across offensive towards some of those people closest to us. How can we manage that? Because for example, a personal example of focusing into my career and focusing into this podcast, my mom and dad were the first ones at the start of this podcast to tell me, why are you doing this? You have a job, you have too much on your plate. You don't need to do this. I mean, I've been doing this podcast three years now and our conversations went from, why are you doing this? To you, you still doing your podcast thing. The last time I spoke to my dad, I was like, man, we got to get more people on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. But the initial taking off is against the wind and it's always hard. So how do we navigate that, man? Yeah. That's a phenomenal question. You're absolutely right. These beliefs, we didn't just make them up. They came from somewhere. And it's a lot of times it's our parents and it's maybe our grandparents and our siblings and our family and it's community and school and government and the country and all this. And a lot of times they get reinforced because that's what we do. Our ego mind just seeks evidence to support what we already believe. That's why these beliefs get really ingrained. That's why people say the older you get, the more you get like in who you are. It's just because you're repeating and getting deeper into that path. You're wearing the path more. When someone takes a step off of that path and they start walking a different path, initially, it can be confronting for the person whose path it was or that are walking that path because the step off, a lot of people see it as you saying that their path is wrong. What I like to really get clear on is, is that it's not to put anyone on trial or anyone's journey on trial. It's just simply admitting that that may have been right for you at that time. But for me in this moment in time, it's no longer what I choose to do. And it doesn't make it wrong. I think at first, that's the reaction from a lot of people because it's like forces them to face it because now you're a physical manifestation of someone who was walking their journey. And now you're kind of going off and doing your own thing. The further it gets from their path, the more confronting it can be. The beautiful thing about it though, is that oftentimes, while initially it can be really confronting, if you do it with love and compassion for them, you can actually become a teacher for those people in the sense of like, hey, I love you and accept you for the path that you're walking. In doing that, oftentimes they come around and start loving and accepting you for your path. And that's really all we're doing here is we're 8 billion different people walking 8 billion different paths. And if we can just learn to love and accept that like that's just where they're at on their journey and that's working for them, then amazing. Ultimately, the thing I always say about my parents is that, well, I get the same things every time I make like a drastic decision and they're like, what are you doing? Not sure. I now see it from a place of love. That's how they know how to show love. And they're just looking out for me and they're doing it from love and compassion. And even if they don't yet understand, I know that they just want me to be happy. 
And once the arc happens, like you and your dad asking about your podcast, it's like, once they see you're happy in it, it almost dissolves that tension. It's like, oh, amazing. They're doing what they love. You become now a model for other people to do what loves up. That's the most challenging part. And that's really what growing up is all about. It's like for a while you're learning and you're growing and you're taking on all these things from your parents. And at some point, we all get to be individuals. But some people, it happens in their teens. Some people have their 20s. Some people are still 40 and they haven't yet stepped out to parent themselves and to, to choose their own path. And it may be because they don't yet have the courage to do so, or it may be because they're afraid of letting that parent down or that person down that they learned it from. And so it's always doing it with compassion for the person. They're not wrong and you're not wrong for doing it that way. The thing I always say is just, if we all just start following our own individual hearts, we can't lose. Yeah. And one good thing I know my parents have adopted, and then this is kind of the mindset I've also adopted is whenever they disagree with what I'm doing, they'll air their concerns and all that. And when I say, Hey, I took it under advisement. I'm still moving forward. Their next question is, so what do you need? Because if I'm going to do it anyway, they just want it to be successful. I love that. And to your point too, is when we are stepping into our own path, that journey could be very scary for some of our peers and some people who identify with us, because I think the scariest thing is it can trigger insecurities in that person. And what I mean by that is if we're two people, let's say Chris, you and I on the call and we're best of friends, we grew up together in the same realm and talking about big dreams and stuff. And I start doing these different things and you're like uncomfortable with that. And all of a sudden I start running companies and becoming a professional athlete or whatever it was we've talked about. What that could trigger an insecurity is like, well, shoot, we were at the same level. What's wrong with me if I can't do with what Ted can do? Absolutely. And sometimes that insecurity manifests in a negative way. And it does take someone who is more empathetic, more caring, understanding, kind of see some of those reactions as you know, not someone lashing out, not someone just trying to shoot down your dreams, but it's just someone who is probably concerned for their well-being Yeah, kind of what you mentioned in terms of that leadership role is like approaching them with that care, compassion, that empathy and saying, Hey, I see your value. I see your path. And I'm not disagreeing with it. That can bridge the gap that hopefully maybe help them come across to the other side too. Yeah. I know through your personal journey, you were talking about there's a current problem with personal development trends. I'd love to hear your thought process on this because we're talking a lot about personal development that I encourage everyone listening to really embark on and take seriously, reading the books, the seminars, the classes, courses, coaching, all that. But what's something that you kind of have a bone to pick with? What do we have to watch out for? Yeah, this is something I only speak honestly about because I got stuck in it for many, many years and I see a lot of people getting stuck in it and it's staying in the phase of information consumption. And A lot of times, especially in this country, we grow up with this belief that more information equals more wisdom or experience. And that's actually not true until we apply the information in our life. We actually use it to propel us forward or grow us in some way. Like For instance, I read hundreds of books, personal development books. I attended all the seminars, did all the things. But when I got to the awareness that I was actually using that as a distraction from taking this knowledge, this information that I was consuming and bringing it inside, I was actually just saying, okay, next book. So I didn't have to do that piece because that piece was the uncomfortable piece. And so there's definitely a stage 
where it's useful to like learn from others and like see all these different ideas and models. But there comes a point where you have to say, okay, and now I'm going to flip that and almost like turn the lens inside rather than continue outside seeking the answers. And that part is the really uncomfortable part that a lot of people don't lean into. And actually, I find a lot in the personal development space, they don't address it. They almost skip from here's some information and now like do this thing and you'll be the millionaire. And there's a lot of pieces in between that that piece of information, that learning is going to bump up against something. There's a reason why you're not already doing it. And it's probably unconscious. It's the looking and almost like digging deeper into it that gets missed a lot. And I really encourage people to slow down their consumption. It's like eating food, right? It's like we know when we eat slower, we digest it better. We get more nutrients into our system. And the same thing happens with information. When we take it on slower, when we are present when we're eating, it's actually more beneficial for our body. Same thing with personal development. And so the bone that I have to pick is the encouraging the next and the next and the next and the next and the next, because I think that actually hinders a lot of people. And I did it for about a decade where I was just one thing to the next, one thing to the next. And now I'm much more reflective. When I read a book, it's like, pick it up, read a chapter, take some notes. I reflect on it. Where can I apply this into my life? If it doesn't resonate, I put it down and then I go to something else. And, and so it's much more of like consume and apply. And I think there's a lesson in that for all of our areas of life too, of yeah. like switching from this just consuming everything mentality. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of a time filler. It helps us procrastinate a little bit because yes. it's amazing when you actually sit down and think about it. We already have the tools to do what we want to do. Someone is like, well, I want to write a book. If you're listening to this podcast, if you could hear Chris and I's voice, you probably have the means to also write on the platform that you're listening on, whether it's your cell phone, whether it's your computer, if you're in the car and you're streaming this, you probably have capabilities of taking notes and putting word to paper, word to recording and transcribing a book. But we read the next book on how to write a book. Or yep. I can't tell you how many blogs and how much research I did on starting a podcast before I actually started a podcast. I think what I'm in a moment of now in terms of business development and personal development and kind of what you said, being honest and transparent on the podcast, I felt that it stung because it's true in my everyday where the tools that I need to get to the next level in my business and in my personal life are at my fingertips. And a lot of us fall into the place where we know exactly what to do next, yep. but we don't do it because of fear of we might need to learn one more thing. And we over prepare <laughs> for something we never end up doing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The preparation is definitely a procrastination and a distraction. And mm -hmm. there's times for it. It's like growth happens in different phases and you just have to like really honestly check in with yourself and what phase are you in? Do I have enough information to take action? And if you do, you're going to learn so much more from applying it like in one day, in one instance in your life than reading 10 more books. If you just take it and you apply it and you do it, you're going to learn. You're going to be able to tweak it for you and continue going in that way until you feel stable in it. And you're like, okay, this is something I've now integrated into my life. And then that's when you reach for the next thing, the next awareness. And that's where that piece comes in. But 
It's so present. I catch myself doing it still today. I'm very aware of it. I talk about it all the time, but I still do it rather than sitting down. And they say that like some of the most successful people in the world absolutely do read. They read nonfiction. They read books that are developing themselves. They have coaches. This is the part that doesn't get talked about as much. The most successful people in the world have space in their life to just be still. Some people call it meditation. Some people call it contemplation. Some people call it a walk in the woods without headphones on. Whatever you call it, some people call it yoga. Whatever you call it, having space in your life for all that information to soak in and for you to digest it to then make it useful in your life is so, so important. Yeah. We're so bombarded with notifications and alerts. And I mean, on this podcast alone, I can't help it in the corner of my screen. I've had maybe three emails come in and I don't know who sent them because I'm being present in the conversation, but these little dings and dongs and distractions all around us is just a constant stimulus to the mind. When does it ever get a break? When do we ever get to slow down? I think it was Steve Jobs was known for taking his walks and we follow these entrepreneurs and we look for examples of success or examples of fulfilled life. We're so hesitant to do what they actually do. We read about what they did that made them successful. Oh man, that's awesome. I want to be successful like him, but I still want to sit down and watch Netflix on the weekends. I still still love my hamburgers and pizza and my wings. I can never have a six pack like that person. But the evidence is right in front of us what we want to do. And I think at the end of the day, we're coming to the end of the conversation, but this kind of just came through this kind of me just thinking out loud. At the end of the day, do you think it's because we don't actually want what we say we want as bad as we say? Do we want Netflix more than we want that comfortable lifestyle that we ask for so much? I think we have many different parts of ourselves, many different voices that are happening at the same time. And I believe at least our deepest like heart's desires aren't loud. They're not the ones that are shouting. It's really subtle. It's really quiet. And that's why the space is needed for you to actually listen. The voices that are the loudest are the ones that most of us are listening to. And it's the ego mind or the inner critic mind. And so I think somewhere a part of us does deeply want it. And then there's also a part of us that doesn't want to face what is actually required to get there. And so oftentimes they're in conflict and we can condition ourselves though to hear all of those voices and then to choose which one we actually listen to. And that's the part that I think is missing for a lot of people is that when it's happening in your mind, we just think that these thoughts are us and these voices are us. But really, they're all just parts of us. And we get to decide like which ones. Cause it's the same reason, like you can be in one day, like using workout as an example, you can be all fired up, you're at the gym feeling great. And then the next day, you're like, ah, I don't want to work out. I don't want to go to the gym. But you know how good you felt just 24 hours ago. And it was amazing. And it's just a different voice is talking and you're listening to it. And so the slowing down. And then the recognizing that the signature of all these voices is really helpful because then you can be like, I even name them. The one that just wants to sit on the couch and eat a bag of popcorn and watch Netflix. like He's just the binger who just like wants to enjoy life and wants to eat 3,000 calories at a restaurant in one sitting. And like occasionally, like I'll let him like run the show. But I know if I did that every day, I wouldn't get anything done and I would be so unhealthy and sick. And so I just listened to him like, yes, yes, that massive double burger would be amazing. But today we're going to cook at home instead of going out. We're going to eat something healthy and we're going to do that. And 
I think it's finding an individual balance of what works for people and what works, I mean, honestly. And so it requires people to get honest with themselves because oftentimes what we think is easier is just the routine. So routine feels easier because it's what we have been doing. But really, if we just took one step outside of routine and we consider what is actually good for my highest and greatest right now, the answer would likely be different than what your routine is. Yeah. And so the practice for me and what I teach is there's moments of those contemplation. And then the integration part is let's create the routines not just the ones that you have been doing, but what are the ones you actually want to be doing? The ones that have you feel great, build up your energy, like make you feel amazing and joy and love. Let's do those routines because routines are useful so we don't have to think. It would be silly if we had to wake up every day and relearn how to walk. Yeah. We wouldn't get anything done. And that's why we operate from patterns. But the repatterning to the things that are good for you is the stuff that makes your life in more alignment. And so that's the part where you have to like accept, okay, I have been doing this. I have been going down this road of maybe not so unhealthy or healthy behaviors, and now I'm ready to switch. And so that first step is usually the hardest part. But once the ball is rolling, what I notice is that there's a lot of things I do today that I don't even think about, but I know at one point we're like, they took some challenge for me to do them every day. It was like a process where I had to meet the resistance of not wanting to do it. And it happens with people with exercise and diet and yeah. self-care practices and meditation, all the things that are good for us in the long term. Someone has faced one of those in their life for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned with the identity thing, anyone who's known me from high school I graduated high school, five foot seven and 132 pounds, soaking wet. And I was thick as my pinky, right? And I had the reputation as a skinny guy. I was skinny Ted. That was my reputation. And I couldn't even bench the bar, Chris. It was, it, I was <laughs> tiny. Well, I could do the bar, but 135, yeah. like, no, wasn't going to happen. And <laughs> now, since in my 20s and now into my 30s, I've been working out for the past five, six years the identity that others put on me is, dude, I can tell you work out. What do you do for your regiment? Like, okay. Anyone who knew Ted from ages 14 to 19, no skinny Ted. Anybody who knows Ted from 24 to 33, they're like, oh, you mean Ted that always works out in the gym? Yep. <laughs> that exactly. has become my identity. And that was because of the process. And now it's easy for me to go to the gym still not easy to lift the weights because they just get heavier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just when I think the gym's going to run out of weights, they find more weight. They find more. Yeah. I think you get heavier. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where the new identity has settled in. And my wife and I talk about doing yoga. That was a new identity shift. I was not flexible, Ted. I'm still not flexible, Ted, but I'm reverse your warrior. <laughs> I love that. Yes, sir. I love it. One last question, because I know we're coming to the time now, is I know folks, they love instant gratification. We live in a microwave society, can't even wait until it hits zero to open up the door. What's something that we can apply today that can give us our biggest impact tomorrow? What's something that we can start doing and maybe see a little bit of that feedback to get enough of that dopamine hit that's going to keep us coming back on some of those good habits to establish it? I'll say, I'll first, I'll say one thing and then I'll give that takeaway because I have 
one that I say all the time. The first thing I'll say to your point in this immediate gratification is that I've started looking really objectively at life and like how the actions that I take and what I've come to realize, and I'm still waiting for someone to prove me wrong, is whatever is comfortable in the short term is oftentimes detrimental to us in the long term. And anything that is uncomfortable in the short term is almost always good for us in the long term. And so when I really reflected on that, I started shifting my behaviors towards what is convenient and comfortable and easy to how can I make my life 1% more uncomfortable in this moment right now, knowing that I can deal with 1% more uncomfortable right now so that that compounds and that long-term Chris gets thousands of percent of benefit. And that can be the simple things. Like when I was fitness training, it's like, oh, parking a little further away and walking, taking the stairs. It can be like ice baths now in my house. Like it's uncomfortable in the short term and like things like that. And I ask people to reflect on that and like, where are we choosing comfort in the moment when maybe we could lean into it a little bit and get a little more uncomfortable? Maybe it's simply just putting your phone on the other side of the house when you go to bed so that you're not looking at it on your falling asleep or the first thing you do when you wake up. It's a little bit uncomfortable at first, but it's good for you in the long term for your mental health. So that's the first thing I'll say. And then the takeaway is slow down your life. Slow down your speech. Slow down how fast you move. Slow down your breath, especially. And in doing that, you'll start to notice all of the ways you've just been operating on autopilot. You'll start to notice the behaviors that you're just doing out of repetition. And that gives you an opportunity to change them. The world that we live in is designed, like you said, with all the notifications to distract, it's designed to distract us. And I'm not going to go into why there's a million theories of why that is. I don't care about that. It is. It's designed and it works really well. And what I know to be true is every time I slow down and I teach people how to slow down and they do it, our lives get better. We have more peace. We have more fulfillment. We have more joy in our life. And it's because you're doing that contemplation piece that we were talking about. When you're moving a thousand miles an hour, you're not thinking about what you're doing. You're surviving your life. And so slow down, take some really deep breaths, do that as often as possible. And what often happens is it will feel uncomfortable to be that slow. It will feel uncomfortable to be calm because it's something your nervous system hasn't experienced for a while. And so there is a process of like sitting and being like, oh, wow, is this really what calm feels like? And then eventually you keep breathing and then it's like, oh, wow, this feels really good. It's like melting into a cloud good. And it's, one of the best gifts that people can give themselves and it's free. Yeah. That's hard advice for me to take being from New York. Yeah. I'll receive it and I'll apply it. (laughs) And I'm... And Ted, man, I'm the same way. I'm an East Coast guy as well. And I was raised hard charging. Yeah. I was a competitive athlete and I was competitive in business. And there are benefits to going fast. What I learned for myself is that Through all of that, I learned how to put my foot on the gas. And so when that's needed, I do it. And I'm like, okay, it's go time. I know how to call upon that energy. But you know what? We're not designed to have our foot on the gas all of our life. Just like we're not. 
That's what leads to disease, burnout, stress. That's what leads to people dying in their 40s and being on their deathbed and saying like, oh, wow, I really regret a lot. Yeah. And so it's just knowing when to bring that energy and when to bring the energy of slowing down. I only give that advice because everything around us is telling us to go faster. I don't need to give people advice to go faster. Yeah. (laughs) And it's easier. It's more conditioned in us to do it. I think what most of us need is more time slowing down so that we can decide or choose more consciously where we want to go fast in our life. Mm -hmm. That gives us a lot more true control over our life and our reality. Yeah. As my buddy Charles always says, he goes, smooth is fast, baby. Smooth is fast. (laughs) That's right. Chris, this has been amazing. And I can tell this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the insights you have, the work that you've done. We didn't even get to speak about the masculinity work that you do. We'll have to have that on the modern man discussion, but how can folks reach out to you, connect with you and learn some of your program and maybe learn more about training camp for the soul? Yeah, thank you. The best way to do it is trainingcampforthesoul.com. People can find out about all of our online programs, in-person retreats. We've got free resources on there. And then following me on Instagram at Chris Marhefka. I share a lot of this stuff that we're talking about very openly and honestly. Nice. I'll have those links and everything listed in the show notes so folks can kind of just open up the app, whatever they're listening to, and hop in and join that. But Thank you for the time. Thank you for the expertise. We appreciate you being with us here today, man. Thank you so much, Ted. This has been great. Absolutely, Chris. And to the listeners at home, in the car, wherever you might be, we always appreciate you making it to the end of the episode. I love to recap some of the things our guest says, just in case you missed it. I'll let you know what resonated with me. And of course, I'd actually love to open this up, an invitation in the comments of the post and also in our ratings, if something stuck out to you, put that in the quote. Let us know what really kind of jumped out from this episode. Because I love giving my little tidbits, but I'd love to hear from you guys as well. But there's something beyond me. That's one thing I think a lot of us need to tap into first and foremost. Whenever we think of a personal journey, a personal development, personal growth, self-development, it usually starts with the understanding that power is within us, but there's only so much that we can do. And when you embrace that and know that there's power beyond you and having the faith of finding that help, you can tap coaches, you can tap friends, and you can tap a community to help you get to that next level. And what am I without labels? A lot of us define ourselves by what we do. A lot of us define ourselves by what we're good at. But if you take those things away, who are you really? And that's a challenge I put out to the listeners in terms of really kind of getting down to the nitty gritty with yourself. Describe yourself without using your profession or your hobbies. Who are you and what are you here for? That's something that we all need to explore in ourselves and something to fully embrace and enjoy because there is a purpose for our lives. I can guarantee you that. We don't know what the old part will look like or the new part would look like. A lot of times we get stuck into our old ways and before we can know what the new Ted might look like or the new Chris might look like or the new you might look like. We have to let go of the old us. And that doesn't happen unless we do that work and go through that threshold. And of course, where did this story come from? Where did these beliefs come from? We live our lives through a perspective and it's important to know who was holding the glasses before we put them on because they might've pointed us in a direction we might not want to look, or we might be looking in a great direction, but did you see what's over here? (laughs) There's so much beyond the perspective that was instilled on us. So I encourage you to at least embrace that and look for that. 
be still, slow down. The world moves fast enough. So taking the time to maybe fully letting all the things that we're bombarded with settle for a bit, let the dust settle and let us maybe actually process what we experience each and every single day and hear the actual voices in our head. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, the Disney Plus movie, Luca. There's a part where he's like, oh, you have a Bruno in your head. Kind of like the person that's telling all the fear. He says, Silencio Bruno. (laughs) My wife and I say that all the time, Silencio Bruno. And I say that to you guys. Find out which voices you want to listen to, when you want to listen to them, and understand that you are the filter on which ones are heard and acted upon. Chris, man, thank you again for making it to the end with us. To the audience, thank you for rocking with us. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share this with a friend that you think will get value from it. Subscribe to get a new episode each and every single week. And of course, leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. The only way we can improve is when you give us the feedback that's needed. So we look forward to hearing that as well. And if you love the episode so much, if you love the podcast so much, and you want to support on a monetary level and also hear more from our guests like Chris, you can subscribe to the Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. Help us keep this podcast going. We appreciate all the support and we love giving you that extra content on there as well. As we always say at the end of the episode, guys, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. <laughs>